Curb Your Enthusiasm, Season 9, Episode 7. Namaste is over, but we are just getting started here on the Curb Your Enthusiasm Postal Recap, a podcast about something. And now, here are the two guys who live always by the Jasper Golden Rules. I am Rob Sister here with Akiva Winokur and special guest Colin Stone. Hey there. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Oh, sorry for talking over you right away. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Yes. Uh, this is very exciting that Colin Stone, fresh off of his appearance on the RHAP B&B this week, is now making the rounds and has uh, made it over to the Curb Enthusiasm Post Show Recap. Yeah, I've done everything but my own podcast this week, uh, which I'm recording later tonight. <laughs> wow. You know you- what they call it, Colin? When when someone show goes to like Bristol to ESPN and goes on like eight different shows and podcasts and radio shows and ESPN the magazine. ESPN. What do they call it? Rob and I both both had the same joke for what you're on this week. It's called the uh, the, the car wash. You go. You do like ten different shows at once. So you're mm, on the RHP okay. car wash right now. I have heard that on like the uh, the O six O one O. They'll mention that uh, yes. from time to time. Yeah, and so that's so now what- you just have to go on like the voicemail, the recap, the B and B this week, and you're set. <laughs> We're just gonna keep keep uh, just uh, p- passing you around, Colin. <laughs> I, I'm I'm here for whatever, Rob. I got nothing going on anymore. <laughs> Okay. All right. Uh, how's everything uh, going for you, Keith, fresh off of our live Seinfeld recap in New York? Yeah, we had a good time. It was fun to see you. I don't get to see you often. Uh, it was fun to put some uh, faces to the names of people who've been writing into us for four years. Uh, and it's fun to be done with the Seinfeld show a little bit also. Mm-hmm. Why? Was this the live show weighing on you? No, I don't think it was weighing. Actually, people came over to me afterwards. Obviously, I've never performed in live before and probably will never do it again. Like people were like, wow, you really weren't nervous at all. So I, I took that as a compliment. Wow. Real uh, humble brag. <laughs> well, people said it to me. No, listen, I, because I was, was expecting. No, it was not a humble brag. It, it was, <laughs> I guess that's just a brag. But but I was expecting to be nervous. Like I was expecting to be like really sweaty and disgusting up there. Um, but you know what did occur to me? Like, I, I don't know if you ever had this during a live show. Like when you're talking, if you ever like go on for like 20 seconds, I start like thinking about like, like totally losing like my train of thought. Like, like, oh man, I just had like these garlic knots and they're really like, no, I like, I like, I smell garlicky and like, I, and then it's like, uh, Kiva, oh shoot. Like what did Rob just say? I'm just like, I was just thinking about garlic knots for 20 seconds. Yeah. That I have the total opposite reaction when somebody else is talking during the live show where I say, okay, well, this is just a a period of time where I don't have to say anything. And so I just have to think of what I'm going to say next. Well, that's what I did. But but (laughs) it's like you ever think like, don't think about this. Don't think about this. And then we're like, don't say something stupid. And then you. You actually do the thing. You're, you're like psych yourself out of it. So that's mm-hmm. what was happening. Well, Keith, I think I, take this in the spirit in which it's intended. Uh, mm. I think when people go to see Rob live, they consider him like a professional podcaster and entertainer sure. and host. Yeah. Whereas for say, if, like if me and Dom ever did a live show, and I think you're probably mm-hmm. in this group, uh, it, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the Jets going into this season, perhaps like just going four and six is a fantastic start. Right. As I like I, I opened my mouth and like and say, by the way, you know, what was really interesting, Rob. Also, what's that? The. The uh, people people said to me, like, you know, I love your show and I think it's funny, but I never laugh out loud watching it, uh, like listening to it at home, like while I'm driving or on the train or something. But like in the room, there was like a ton of like LOLs. There was a ton of like big laughs. Yeah. And that's peer you pressure. Did, you did a uh, a cake boss impression that got like a massive like <laughs> double laugh from the audience. Yeah, I'm glad you like that. I'm glad you like that. It was really like it was really funny. People like couldn't control themselves. So I, I do think like being in the room with a lot of people makes like the laughter contagious more. Yeah. Because I, I can't imagine like people sit home and listen to podcasts and like 
very frequently are just cracking up. You'd look insane if you're on the subway doing that. <laughs> it happens. It'll happen from time to time. And you hear from the person that's like, well, everybody thinks I'm a crazy person because I was laughing at this podcast. But let me segue into uh, this Curb Enthusiasm episode because it was so hot in the room that we were doing the Seinfeld podcast. And it was very you know, miserable weather outside. It, it might have been 92 degrees in the room. We were doing the Seinfeld podcast. Oh, yeah. I was like pouring sweat. It was really hot. Uh, the lights, as the lights, as we mentioned on a different show, were uh, they, they went off right before we started. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, you know, it was an interesting room for comedy. But, yeah. you know, yeah. we made it through. It was the opposite of the David Letterman approach where you try to keep the room as freezing as possible so people uh, don't, don't get comfortable. Right. Or casinos. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll get into everything from this seventh episode of the ninth season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Colin, could you share with us? Uh, I heard your Survivor origin story this week. Do you have a Curb origin story? Uh, I do. So I came into Curb Your Enthusiasm when I was probably 19 or 20 years old. So a few seasons into its run, I remember uh, a great friend of mine in high school kept telling me you would totally love this show. But at this was the point that, you know, it was on HBO. I didn't have HBO. Uh, The Internet was not nearly the same thing where you could pirate it or buy it legally or do whatever you do to get it uh, these days on a million different platforms. So my Curb origin story started. I was home. Homesick one day uh, and got some Curb Your Enthusiasm DVDs from the local movie store, if anyone remembers those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I actually started with, I, I was told by that same friend, like, it doesn't really matter what order you watch the episodes in. And whatever reason, uh, for whatever reason, I grabbed... Uh, the, my first episode that I ever saw was the car wash lane. That was the disc that I grabbed. Uh, excuse and me, you're the, on the car uh, wash. The car, not not the car wash lane. The uh, where he picks up the, the what's it called? Carpool. The carpool lane. Carpool, carpool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, excuse me. Uh, where he uses the hooker to go in the diamond lane to the Dodgers game. And honestly, from there, I just plowed through the rest of it. Uh, I got caught up within the span of a week on all of the DVDs that they had there. I think I might have kept that movie store in business for another couple of months with all of my curb rentals. And then I have followed along with it uh, ever since religiously. And I would honestly say curb your enthusiasm is either number one or number two for me all time for my comedies. It's either that or Arrested Development. Or well, you can insult d- Seinfeld now, Colin. You could take a shot at Seinfeld. We're no longer Seinfeld podcasters. Okay, well, first of all, let me <laughs> congratulate you guys on finishing Seinfeld. That is an incredible task. Uh, that, I that like is, we skipped that is, one. We just don't realize. We have, <laughs> like, go, we have to go back. <laughs> But I mean, that is that is no joke of an undertaking. And that is uh, some tremendous resolve there to get uh, so in depth on all of those episodes. Uh, but no, for me, even as someone who totally loves uh, the curb style, which is obviously heavily influenced and by the, the Seinfeld style, uh, because it's by, you know, Larry David doing a lot of the writing for both. The fact that Seinfeld was just on a network in the 90s, like has the laugh track there's The ceiling is just so low for me for any show. Uh, with all of those things going for it. Like, I totally appreciate how completely revolutionary Seinfeld was and how I'm sure the modern sitcom landscape would not be nearly what it is without that. And I do not want to ever make it sound like I'm trying to take anything away from the cultural significance of Seinfeld. But for me, I have uh, there are tons of shows that I just think are funnier uh, than Seinfeld. And Curb Your Enthusiasm is very near the top of the list. Colin, are you a single camera snob? <laughs> I guess I am. Like, I guess if I, I, in thinking back on it, the the sitcoms that I really like fell in love with were around this time in my life were like Curb and like Scrubs, uh, The Office, things like that. I think I I think I might be a single camera snob. Yeah. 
Colin, the first six episodes. So like, a, I, I'd like a quick take from you on the first six tenths of the season that we're not talking about today. Uh, like, what are your feelings so far in season nine? Anything that's going? What have you loved or not liked so far? Okay, so I went into season nine with really high expectations, just under the thinking that Larry David would not do this if he didn't have a really good idea and feel like the execution would be solid. And upon seeing the premiere, I really, really loved uh, and continue to keep looking forward to all that is coming with the fatwa. I think that is a funny premise for a season. And I'm glad just in general to have another season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And while I have really liked some of these episodes and certainly found myself like just crying, laughing at uh, a few scenes in particular, I would say this I would probably list this among the the I don't like to, to call it a weak season is not doing it remote justice because it's still top shelf comedy. But just compared to the other seasons of Curb, which I think are like the gold standard of like a modern sitcom, uh, I feel like this season has, for whatever reason, just lacked something for me. And honestly, uh, and I think this may be the case this week as well. And I've talked a little bit uh, about this with you, Keith. It feels like the endings just aren't coming together for me as often as they usually do. Keith, have you ever dabbled in a season ranking for Curb Enthusiasm? Well, I, I made, I, I did make uh, episode rankings just in case. I, I, you know, I haven't busted them out yet in case like Chester and I want to do something with that maybe after this is over. Um, but I think season one, because they were sort of finding their footing, doesn't really have any classic episodes. I think Beloved Ant maybe is at the very beginning of season one, so maybe that's classic. But other than that, there's some forgettable ones early. But I think it's probably right now I'd have this probably only above season one so far. But there's still, you know, this episode to talk about plus three more. So it could, it could definitely move up the rankings. Okay. Well, let's dive into this episode because I actually really enjoyed this episode. I'm not sure uh, how you guys had it in terms of the the rest of the bunch, but I felt like that uh, this was a really, really fun episode for me. Well, should we bury the lead right now? What do you, what do you think, Colin? <laughs> well, yeah, I did enjoy a lot of the individual scenes like Larry going about interacting with all the various like uh, customer service people or just people, the Asian woman on the bus, uh, a lot of really fun, small stuff in there, just kind of like signature Larry moments. But again, to go back to it, like I just feel like this was another week for me where the story t- didn't really kind of dovetail the way that I've come to expect it to uh, incurb your enthusiasm. And maybe there's more to it. Like I know uh, I think I've heard at least that Lauren Graham's going to be back and maybe this is a, a a lot of setup for stuff that's going to pay off later. Uh, but at least at this point, I would probably say that this would be near the bottom of the list out of season nine episodes for me. Uh, although the only ones I think that I would that I've really loved this season were the premiere and the one with Brian Cranston. Yeah, we I think we both have the premiere number one so far. All right. Well, let's get into uh, this episode where we start off with uh, Larry and Leon at hot yoga. Uh, were you surprised that uh, Leon is a hot yoga enthusiast? I personally was tremendous. I, I think as much as he can rock that outfit and I would love to see him uh, in more kind of that style. Uh, I, yeah, Leon definitely didn't strike me as the yoga type, although uh, if he's going to be bringing the ruckus to the ladies as frequently as he seems to, I guess he needs to stay limber. Yeah. Keith, do you think that is Leon some sort of like a tantric yogi sting like figure? I mean, he talked about how there's the multiple sessions and he can't just uh, leave her with one session. The heat doesn't bother him. I feel like we're onto something. 
I also think there was a lot of like, ooh, well, yeah, I think the, the instructor is really attractive. So I'm kind of like half there for the yoga, half there to check her out. And I mean, again, he literally, you know, like, uh, you know, lands the instructor later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 you know, I, first of all, have you ever done yoga? Have you ever gone to a yoga class before either of you guys? I have. I sure have. Yes, I have. I have been to a yoga class. And your wife is very into yoga, Rob, right? Well, she it certainly has done a lot of <laughs> yoga. And there was a point. About where she was doing a lot more yoga, but I, I, I try to say to her, like, I don't understand how you know you do all this yoga. Aren't you supposed to be like this zen, <laughs> chill person? I, think I just who found out why bothers. she's not zen and chill. Yeah, <laughs> because you I don't understand. Like, <laughs> like, don't you? Didn't you learn all this stuff? And uh, I, I, I haven't gotten a straight answer on this. Does Nicole watch Curb? Does she like Larry David or does she, does he irritate her? Well, you know what? That she does not really care for Larry David. She's a, but she's an anti Larry David. But I do have to give her credit for a long time. You know, my wife has a lot of hot takes about comedy, and she was anti Louis C.K. from the start. And mm. she was the one person. She's like, I don't get it. He's not funny. How, is that, how could you say that? What do you say about Louis C.K.? But now, uh, but she is walking around now like she called her shot with Louis C.K. <laughs> like just Kevin like Spacey. yeah, just like Keith with Kevin Spacey. No, this was this was me with Lance Armstrong. I was the same way Ooh. with Lance Armstrong. So I know exactly <laughs> what it's like. Well, but now you have to call someone in the future, Colin. Like, because that already happened. Who's who's the next guy who's going to be exposed? Uh, as, as I, I may have already judge, had right? a, a discussion. Yeah, the other day about I was talking. I, I won't name any names that were drafted, but we I was tossing around with a friend of mine. Like, we should draft who the next guys that get taken down are going to be. Who will be publicly shamed? It doesn't have to be a Hollywood person. It could be like an athlete with steroids. It could be someone with some other weird predilection. That would be a fun draft to do, but not on a pop podcast where it's like. Actually yeah, cool. I don't think I don't know if this is the place. <laughs> yeah. OK. Uh, Keith, you, you said uh, Ben McAdoo, right? Uh, he's taking uh, performance dehancing drugs, I think. Right now. <laughs> I heard that Ben McAdoo was uh, trying to get some sort of a sex scandal going just to take the attention off his coaching record. Yeah, no, he's actually started snorting, snorting coke off his desk just for, like, some positive publicity. By the way, Colin, Rob is talking a big game about football. I don't want to shame him, but I will here. Uh, what do you think about someone in your – you're a fantasy football guy, I know. What do you think about someone in your in your fantasy football league not starting a defense in a week? Like, leaving it blank for no reason. Not leaving right. it blank. So I, mean, I had a team that was on a bye week. Yeah, 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 exactly. And not, not finding a new team that wasn't on a bye. For me, it would of course come down to if their you know if their bench was loaded with great players that were all on well, buys. Well, they're three and six. I, get... I don't know what their bench is loaded with, but it can't be with great players. They probably be okay. season three. The the only time I've ever heard of like deliberately benching a defense is if you have a narrow lead and yeah, you don't want to run the something. risk. No. Sure, maybe there was, was nothing maybe, Rob, deliberate going on, Keeve. That uh, I mean, you're like shaming me. This it's like week ten in a yeah. season that I, my it's team a is three that has and your six. Name on it. I feel like you can't be quitting on it. And I, if you want to make if you want to make it worse, Colin, I won't name the person, but they won Big Brother and then played Survivor. And they played Rob, and that person didn't start a kicker against Rob, so 
not you know rob actually might win a week where he accidentally didn't put a, a yeah a, you know. I, I think not starting a kicker <laughs> is honestly a bigger mistake than not starting a defense unless yeah, you're defensive you could scoring your kicker, is, right rob's rob's defense was philly he didn't want to cut his defense right right and, yeah. and please excuse me if the waiver transactions in my second favorite fantasy football league oh were boy. not Hayes top of mind uh last week i had a lot going yeah. on no that's the best I excuse i've heard yeah Week, I didn't Rob. put in waiver bids on Tuesday. I literally forgot to put in waiver bids for my league that I take very seriously because I was in New York. Yeah. OK, so we get to the point after the yoga class where Larry is talking with the instructor. Uh, what is her name? Yogi Tina. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we get to the point where that uh, she noticed Larry will not say namaste at the end of the yoga class. Keith. For you, is this too similar to Larry doesn't want to say thank you for your service? Yeah, it's identical. It's crazy that they went back to this right afterwards. That Larry just doesn't want to say things that other people say. I mean, that the, he does talk about how that he doesn't like to say things other people want him to say. But are they doing this knowing that this is a thing that Larry has? Or are they sort of like oblivious to the fact that they did another storyline this season that's almost identical to this? I, to me, I mean, I had the same impulse, which is this seems identical to the thank you for your service thing. But my another takeaway that I had from it is it seems like the namaste part, which ended up being the episode title. And again, seems like it's just repeating the same thing we did a couple of weeks ago was almost unrelated to the rest of the episode. Like we could have without that still had them at yoga and Leon getting with the yoga teacher. But it, it, unless I'm missing something, it's not like that tied back into it later on in the episode. Well, she right? says it at the end when, when, when he kicks her out of his house, she does say namaste to him, but that's not right. Like right. But a in, in, in a tr- Okay. Uh, for it still felt uh, almost forced to me, like it was included there just to be the episode title. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's that very sense. funny. This is the idea. I'm, I'm sure, like in, I don't know if there's any sort of like pitching that goes on beforehand, but Larry in a yoga class is funny, it, it, you know, on its own. Uh, Larry even having to, you know, uh, like the concept of Namaste and Larry. Like I actually preferred all of this Namaste business much more to the thank you for your service. Uh, uh, stuff right so had they not done that first it would have been funnier i agree with you but it just right. seemed a little derivative after last week yeah and uh i love when yogi tina finally says to larry uh get the f out and he says to her you just made my day <laughs> so he- <laughs> it's not very yogi-ish of you <laughs> right and so uh larry and leon are uh backing out of a parking spot leon is playing with the radio and larry ends up uh rear-ending a parked car and and uh, that there's some discussion about what to do. Larry is going to leave a note. Keith, you always leave a note, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're a monster if you don't leave a note, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, Leon is saying don't leave a note. Not good advice. I would say don't listen to Leon, generally <laughs> speaking. It seems like one of the, it's incredible that like maybe the most central uh, improvement, I would say, that the show has made over the last three, several seasons is including Leon, like at least one scene a week where Larry is like walking around the house and Leon's in the kitchen making a sandwich or whatever, and he just gets to bounce whatever's going on that week off of Leon. Rarely does it seem like Leon has the right idea about how to continue <laughs> with that. Would a Curb spinoff about Leon work on any level, Colin? Single camera. I would 100% be there for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Single camera. (laughs) Laugh track. (laughs) Of course, single camera. No laugh track or I'm out. But 
Uh, Keith, that the Louis C.K. Uh, did a multicam sitcom with a left hand. Yeah. Lucky Louis, yeah, yeah, and it didn't work. He had to reboot the show basically as a drama for it to work on FX. Yeah, right. He had to take all the comedy out. Yeah. Right, exactly. Okay, but Keith, uh, in your mind, would do you need Larry for Leon to be funny? No, no. I think I, I think if you did a show like uh, similar to the, you know, if that if the episode The Blacks where they all move in was a spinoff uh, pilot, like a backdoor pilot, like they say in Hollywood, like that would have I think that would have worked. Like Leon is like Colin said, has only gotten better. And I would definitely be in for a Leon show. I'm definitely. Giving what it happened? What became of uh, Vivica A. Fox's character? <laughs> could she come back for this? She could for sure. I don't know if they could afford her, but she, you know, I, I'm, you know. In the scheme of the show, she could definitely come back. I just wonder if you need a straight man to bounce things off well, of Well, they Leon. could get a different straight man. Does it need to be LD? No, it doesn't need to be LD, but does it sort of like downplay how great LD is to uh, sort of like recast him? Maybe. I mean, I don't think you're ever going to even try to recreate the Larry David and Leon dynamic. I think it's so specific to those two character types that I, you, you would probably be doing a disservice to whatever future in, you know, Leon spinoff this was. Uh, I think they would probably try to go get him with someone like younger, like get, bring in like Jason Schwartzman or something to be the new straight guy next to him. Ooh. <laughs> what about Ansel Elgort, Rob? Uh, sure. Sure. I have no idea okay. who that is. I know. I, I pitch him in every. We did a hundred A episode Seinfeld. We probably pitched fifteen straight uh, fake movies. Colin, I I I cast Ansel Elgort in every single one. Does Colin Rob know who that is? Is it just me that doesn't? Know I who sure is? do not. No, he's like he's like the most famous person that nobody knows who he is. Mm-hmm. He's like the star <laughs> of the Baltimore so. Stars. And uh, are like you he's his a agent? Big, like, yeah, he, he's like a big like uh, Hollywood star, but nobody knows him. Yeah. Like he has uh, millions of Twitter followers. One of those, maybe if we were a little younger, like everyone would know him. He's only like twenty three, right? I feel like that they tried to do this with uh, David Spade after uh, after we had Chris Farley uh, pass away. Did they try to put him with like a different like uh, heavy set guy in movies? Not that I can think of. I mean, I after that that really solid run with Chris Farley, I. Uh, David Spade, it seemed like, started doing movies where he was just playing some wacky, like the Joe Dirt kind of thing, where he didn't see it seemed to be like very David Spade centric stuff. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Maybe I dreamt that they tried to find a different guy for uh, David Spade to be with in movies. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, we uh, see Larry with Susie. I I like Larry just hanging out with uh, Susie. And I also really liked how Susie is working on her gift basket at Soaps on Keeb. Does it feel like to you that Soaps on is going to be at the center of a plot line here in these next three episodes? You know, they are doing like they did. They haven't mentioned in a while, but they did sort of do a good job of uh, of you know continuing that thread. The the incompetent assistant is nowhere to be found. You have to assume that she was fired after her one stint. Uh, but I do like that they're at least trying to juggle a lot of balls in the air. I, I'm not super confident that they're all gonna you know maybe connect in the finale or the second to last episode, but. Uh, they are trying. I mean, it also seems like he's just hanging out at the Green's house way more than usual this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we find out from Susie, she has a friend that wants to be set up with Larry. And uh, first off, before we get to uh, too much into the friend, we start to talk about the ratings. How would Larry rate himself? Now, 
I thought, Colin, that Larry was like rating himself on like the total package, but Larry is rating himself on looks and he's saying that he's a four. Yeah, it seems questionable. Uh, if we're including like bank account and fame, I think he might get bumped up. Could be a five. Uh, but I, I, yeah, a very clear five uh, off the charts. But yeah, it seems a little optimistic from Larry there for sure. What's crazy is the Romanian cab driver says when when they have this conversation in a couple minutes, he says, I'm a three because I like something and I'm a cab driver. Like, so he's including status in his rating. So if he gets to include status and he's a three, then why isn't Larry at least like a four point nine? Like maybe he gets docked a tenth of a point for being bald. But it's like if if your if your social status or your or your net worth factor in at all, like you said, Larry has to be a five. So it's not consistent. You know, I've never heard anybody rated looks wise on a scale of one to five. I feel like that's mm-hmm. n- that's never been a thing, Keith. It's usually a, a one to uh, a one to ten scale, right? Yeah, now, and and Keith. Uh, so, yeah. like, if somebody was to ask you about a person's appearance, then mm-hmm. unless that they were like uh, disgustingly, like they're you know disfigured and and hard, and you couldn't look at them, they would be mm-hmm. uh, automatically a six and a half. That's a passing grade. Right. Rob, Rob, Rob thinks I'm, a, I'm an easy grader. Although I didn't fail kids when I was a high school teacher either. But that was mostly because I didn't want to deal with like parents calling me up and being angry and the school being mad and stuff. Yeah. And also you have to like have them again the next year if you fail them. That's why I'm still a teacher. Right. I would never give below six and a half. Sometimes they say like, oh, they're like like a, a Sheboygan six and a half, but in L.A. two and a half. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, uh, Larry uh, gets a tip from Jeff about uh, the car. He has a a friend who's a mechanic and the mechanic is going to hook up Larry. So uh, that's courtesy of Jeff's friend. Larry wants a picture of this uh, woman and he can't get a picture. Colin, is this plausible at all in 2017? We can't find a picture of this person to show Larry. That seems crazy. You're right that Susie wouldn't just bust her phone out and pull up. I'm sure they're friends on Facebook uh, in the in the Curb universe. Uh, I think it was on Insta. That's right. Got to get on the Insta. Uh, I think it was more uh, to to drive home the point that Susie felt Larry should not be asking for a picture. Beggars can't be choosers, Larry, uh, which which is funny. But you're totally right that uh, as is often the case, honestly, uh, particularly now with like watching these older Curb episodes back and in their defense, those are from 15 years ago. Uh, it seems like a smartphone would have solved a lot of Larry David's problems. Yeah. Keith, do you think that Larry David Curb enthusiasm is on any social media? No, definitely not. First of all, like Larry David in real life isn't. And it's pretty similar type of guy so I, I, I he's not on social media i think is the answer well he's at least on uber and can i ask is he not i mean i know he is seinfeld co-creator larry david in the curb universe how does he mm-hmm. not just get a new rental car or a private yeah, like driver for a couple days or whatever that. yeah he is he is just as rich on the show as he is in real life like it makes right. no sense that yeah larry his whole life this guy goes around and his whole life is trying to avoid annoying situations and being bothered and you know what the reason i relate to the, this show is because that's me too only larry has 400 million and i only have a few million i'm joking and, <laughs> the, and like but my whole life is like that and i feel like i'm so much better like i just don't like i just don't want to do things or like spend the money if i you know like he is so bad at I would just like get a different car or or pay a taxi. He goes so far like out of his way to just inconvenience himself. Like, why is he taking Ubers? Why doesn't he hire a driver? Like he's rich enough. He yeah. should have a driver full time anyway. It's crazy. 
doesn't Leah like how does Larry not have multiple cars? And haven't we seen Leon driving the Prius around lately that he that Larry used to drive? Hmm. Rob, do rich people in L.A. who are like one single person, is that common? They would have a second car um, if they're not like a car collector. I mean, just a wealthy L.A. person. Because in New York, there are billionaires with in New York, there are billionaires who have like zero car or one. You know what I mean? Like having cars a nuisance. So even if even if you have all the money in the world, like you might have no you might not have a car or I once had a boss who was worth nine figures who did not own a car. You just like take cabs everywhere or a car service. Mm -hmm. Didn't Jerry Seinfeld used to pay like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in parking tickets to keep his 200 Porsches in New York City? Probably. That that sounds that sounds accurate. But I mean, he has that money to literally burn I, if he yeah, wanted in to. In LA, so. like, if you're wealthy, you need a second car for when your car breaks down, I feel like. If you're really wealthy. Mm-hmm. You're not hanging out with, with the with the uh, with the the nine figs people, Rob. Yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> uh, I'm barely hanging out with the five figs uh, people. Five figs. Yeah. <laughs> I also like the line about how Susie says that this woman is an inner beauty and uh, Larry says he doesn't really care about that. (laughs) That's meaningless for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Larry goes to the body shop. He meets Jeff's friend, uh, Greg, and then Larry uh, blurts out, uh, oh, I I didn't know that you were black and then tries to cover this. So white people with black friends uh, like to show off about it. And uh, we see instantly Greg is offended, Keith. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty the way Larry says it, like I, maybe there would have been a more delicate way to say it. I mean, there wasn't actually no. There's no way. Like the only way to say it is to like implicate Jeff. You could have said like, well, Jeff always says he has you know, like if he has a friend who's black, he always mentions it or Jeff's never had a black friend before. Like you're his one. You know what I mean? At least you could have implicated Jeff more than like yourself. But yeah, there's no real uh, way around or, around this for LD. Yeah. And so uh, there is no loner car. There's nothing for Larry there. So he has to end up calling an Uber. And so uh, we meet the Romanian Uber driver and uh, Larry is talking with the Uber driver about uh, what what number would he be rated? And uh, he's asking the Romanian uh, Uber driver if uh, if he had a sister, uh, what would you rate? me looks wise colin yeah uh a sister hopefully a a lowland sister not one of the uh, <laughs> not, <mountain woman. laughs> not not one of those uh is i wanted i was wondering though why romanian is there a big romanian population in la or what's the scoop i, I, of that? I, have, a, I have a thought about this i think they sat down before before this and they're like all right we got to be woke for a second guys there are certain countries i won't even name them we're not like half the countries in the world we're not going to even like bother yeah. thinking about which country <laughs> will we get the least hate mail, which country has like the fewest like public advocates, you know, least connected to maybe a religion that would be mad at us. And then like you narrow it down and it's like you need a smaller country that has less people to speak up for them. So you're not going to say like Russia or China or, you know, countries with 100 million plus people. So it's like, OK, we, you know, like which country small? The joke makes sense. And like, we're not going to get angry mail, you know, on Monday. And mm-hmm. I just think right. like, we don't need any more Ayatollahs coming after right. us. Right. So I think like it's just by process of elimination. It's not like there's a there's a, a thing about Romanian women being unattractive. I don't know anything about Romanian women. I'm sure they're beautiful. Um, I just think it's like, all right, that's like the funniest country where no one's going to give us, you know, at, you know, some uh, guff for it on Monday. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, it seems like makes uh, sense. I think that that holds water. Yeah, <laughs> innocuous. They, they do enough. throw it at like Hungary and Bulgaria at the end. Like, oh yeah, the the Romania, Hungary, Bulgaria, like triple threat, or uh, you know, like those <laughs> those those are like the countries with a bad reputation. Yeah. So the Romanian Uber driver is very offended by what Larry has said. All you've seen are uh, unattractive women uh, that you're you're not thinking of the uh, lowland women, the women of the plains. Uh, Larry really gets into it with this guy, uh, which is going to end up uh, resulting in a low Uber rating for Larry uh, later on in this episode. Uh, meanwhile, Larry's also going to get a phone call from the guy who he ended up backing into, Justin Brown, and uh, he gets into a, a very contentious call with him, Keeve. Yeah, uh, he, Larry gets called the garbage person, which is a popular insult on the <laughs> Seinfeld podcast that's now defunct. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, like, I, I, this guy is like, I, I, I like him, but he also feels like he's reading a script a little bit, this actor. Well, this actor always, I, I, frankly, I've seen him in a ton of stuff, but he's always playing, like, a judge or a lawyer or mm-hmm. someone who's very deliberately deadpan. This yeah. is by far the most personality I've ever seen this guy display funny. on a show. Yeah. Uh, he is not happy. He says that, okay, anybody would leave a note. You should have hung around. Colin, is this a thing? You have to hang around? I, I don't, I can't imagine why that would be a thing unless you're in like metered parking where you can see they have to be back here within a certain time frame. What do you want them to do? Like maybe you're off, you've parked there and you've gone and walked however far away in LA. Uh, it could be hours before you're back. I think that's totally unreasonable. I think the note uh, is the very clear move. Yeah. All right. So Larry ends up, uh, also that the uber has uh the heat up all the way there's a lot of problems with uh heating and air conditioning going on in the world of curb enthusiasm uh this week so uh larry ends up on the date and uh he is uh with uh what what is the woman's name bridget 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 yeah bridget and he's hitting it off really well with bridget who's an nbc censor keeve do you find it odd that it never once came up that larry mm-hmm. used to often work with the censors at nbc when he created seinfeld i do think it's a shout out like that's a funny job because he famously sparred with them and you know it's you know even every couple of years now like there was literally just a, a oral history of the episode of the contest where he where larry was ready to quit the show if if they if they cancel the contest i do think like uh it would have been funny if he threw in like a quick like uh Ooh, let me tell you, like an argument I had about, you know, the puffy shirt or something, something we really wanted to get on. Mm-hmm. But you right, know. I was positive that's where it was going was right. him disputing what should and should not be allowed on network TV. It, it wouldn't her. shock me if they had that, but cut it. If you know, because these episodes have been running long, I wonder if they are like filming a ton of stuff and just putting in what works. Because you'd have to imagine they were at least like you know angling for something like that. Colin, what did you think of the sort of like a montage where she's talking about all of the uh, obscene things that she just lets in? She's bombarded. Yeah, that was the that was uh, I, when I was trying to go back to why make her an NBC censor if you're not going to bring it up. Maybe it's so she could uh, make it really clear to Larry right away, like using words she could bring up organically in conversation to like let him know that she's really interested uh maybe that was the way that they were going to try to make it clear that like oh larry's got a really good shot here right away and he knows it uh but yeah that what that did seem very odd especially for someone who works as a censor although maybe it's kind of uh 
uh, uh, what, you know, the same phenomenon is like the, the people who are brought up really religious sometimes often tend to be the biggest rebels. Yeah. Mm. That's what I hear. Yeah. This is like her rumspringa of curse words, <laughs> Keeve. Didn't we just talk about Rumspring at the live show? <laughs> yeah, that, didn't that come up? I think I asked in the live show. If yeah, didn't I was, say that Judaism should have a Rumspringa? Am I like, did I yeah. did I hallucinate this? If anybody was here on Rumspringa, yeah, <laughs> well, I don't. Yeah, I, that's pretty funny. I I, I do kind of like it would have I would have been the most boring Rumspringa guy. I would just like played extra video games, but it would be fun if Judaism had Rumspring. Yeah, why? What would you do? I think I think just like go to Arby's. I mean, uh, Oh, yeah. The first thing I would do is go to every restaurant that's not kosher, like every chain restaurant, like mm-hmm. and, and like listen to like the corresponding Doughboys episode while I was there. Probably. <laughs> Rob, are, you, are you trying to are you trying to take shots at Arby's under my watch here, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I wasn't taking a shot at it. Why you're at Rob, well, Rob doesn't like love food, Colin, and he's not a big chain restaurant guy. Yeah, I mean, Arby's wouldn't be on my uh, top 20 list. But why you're a staunch Arby's <laughs> defender? I am a big time Arby's defender. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not, not a big roast beef guy, so I'm not sure that would be my first, the first place I would hit, but I definitely try it. I, I really have a craving for Wendy's, which I'll never go to. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> you have to go to Mendy's. How do you have a craving for something you've never had? I, it just looks good. Like you watch commercials or whatever. <laughs> you're like, oh man, that looks, you know, I'd love to go in and out. I feel like that would be actually my first trip on, on Jewish Rumspringa. That I would go. It feels like, like missing someone you've never met. Yeah, no, for sure. No, but listen, you see pictures. I know like, oh, that's an attractive woman. I've never met them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Just rest assured that probably the experience is uh, better in your mind than the actual experience would ever be. You talking about the attractive woman or now the rum? Or <laughs> Probably the both. And, I mean, <laughs> okay. If we're going to be fair about it. I thought you were talking about Arby's. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Larry is about to put a move on Bridget, and then down the stairs comes Eddie. Eddie, we learn, has Asperger's, and uh, that he is. Uh, there's some question about uh, whether or not he uh, that is a correct clinical diagnosis, Keeve. Yeah, he may just be an a- an a hole. I do think that Asperger syndrome lost its name five or six years ago. So this is a little bit probably the time of the la- when the uh, last season was airing. I-, I think it's not really an official. Uh, you know, now it's just you're more broadly, I think, on the spectrum, or you could be autistic. I don't think Asperger's is a thing still. Yeah. Why? What happened? Did they name it something else? I don't think they named it. I think they just uh, they. They sort of like just brought it under the larger rubric of like high functioning autism. But I don't think it's you could be diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome anymore. OK, it's they cured it. <laughs> I don't think they cured it. I think they just rebranded no. it. Yeah, I think they rebranded it. Exactly. Yeah. Should they rebrand more diseases? You know, my I guess da- it can't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> my dad had like a, I think still has, but I don't I think it's uh, it's fine. I like some some like weird type of skin cancer. And I'm a bad son because I don't even know, like they had a dorky name and they switched the name. It was so new to a real name. And I don't even know the name anymore. Like I can't Google it. They changed um, it. So they do sometimes rebrand diseases if it's like the name is too like, you know, if you want to start a foundation, you don't want to have like a six word technical name for, you know right. what I mean? You want like diabetes. You want, you know, uh, uh, like psoriasis. I don't know. Like you don't you don't want like a four letter, like cutaneous lymph node, that sort of thing. Nobody's given money to mm-hmm. that. Right. 
Colin, does the medical profession get into sort of like season three of The Wire? Sort of like, uh, all right, we need to get the uh, the numbers uh, cooked for uh, how much progress we're making. So we need to rebrand some diseases and make it seem like less people I, have these, this disease. Right. Yes, I think uh, honestly, based on what I've heard about uh, the medical industry, it does sound like that kind of thing happens to give like a very uh, real and wire esque hard hitting answer. It does sound like that kind of thing uh, totally is what goes on uh, hospitals in particular. Uh, in America, obviously not in most of the rest of the world. Uh, it sounds like there's a lot of things that go into that about making sure uh, the books are right before a lot of other things that probably should take priority take priority. Should they have done season five of The Wire in a hospital instead of that stupid newspaper? <laughs> uh, that's not a bad question. I, like I think the hospital the would Wire. have more entertaining people walking in and out every Prince day. Prince is dying, Keeve. Yeah. I, I, I like, I'm a season five of The Wire Defender. I don't think it's one of the better seasons. But I think it stands up as a good season. Okay. It's yeah, it's the worst season of The Wire. Or it, well, some people say season two. A lot of people. I, yeah, I'm yeah, a season yeah. two defender, but I, it, I am too. So, the season yeah. six, uh, like uh, like uh, Latinx or or you know, uh, sort of uh, you know, going going to sort of like the Hispanic population in Baltimore that he talked about doing to me that would be incredible. But he, I don't think he's ever going to mm. do it, David Simon. I, well, I think it's hard with technology having changed so much uh, for. The, uh, that to be a relevant angle for the cop uh, side of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, back to Kirby enthusiasm. That uh, <laughs> no, is Larry is back now. at the greens and he's explaining to Jeff uh, what went on with the mechanic, how he offended him. Uh, Larry decides to go upstairs to look for Susie, who is in her boudoir, and uh, Susie is mortified. Larry is upstairs. He it does not have access to the second floor of the greenhouse. Uh, Keep. Does Susie have a point here? Yeah. Could you like? Could you imagine if, if this is? By the way. Colin, how Rob reacts when someone comes upstairs into his uh, office. Yes. <laughs> you have downstairs access only. But can you imagine, like, I mean, I think your family lives downstairs. But just imagine for a second, like, someone, your your house was flipped and your and Nicole was upstairs. Someone just, like, walked into her bedroom while she had, like, curlers in or, or was getting dressed. Like, right. They're going to get, like, a punch in the eye. Like, this Be is like, insane. Uh, like, yeah, one of these Susie's podcast calm guests. considering this. Right. Yeah. Shows, uh, <laughs> like, uh, goes in the bedroom. Yeah, I thought Susie was actually really calm considering that it seemed like he just busted into her bedroom. Uh, her bedroom. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like, at least not. Okay. All right. So I want to know between the two of you, uh, how how many of you guys know the Eddie Haskell access? Uh, did you guys get glazed over with this? Yeah, I, mean, I, I know of Leave It to Beaver. I don't know about Colin if you've ever seen it, but I've never seen it. I just know I know what it is. I have not seen it. I did know that Eddie Haskell was like the neighbor or whatever next door that was like friends with the kids. Yeah. I, I like Larry goes right to, I want the same privilege as Eddie Haskell. And uh, I, I like that Susie is even engaging him on this. She, she said he was just a, like uh, uh, a kiss ass that he wasn't. <laughs> 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 I like Larry's uh, that he aspires for Eddie Haskell access. Yeah. And I, I guess that there's anyone uh, or anywhere that Larry would have Eddie Haskell access. It really does seem like Jeff is his best friend. And frankly, in thinking through his friends, uh, the only friend that I can think of actively who would be happy about Larry just barging into their house, showing up unannounced. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, he needed to know about Bridget. And so uh, he finds out that she had a good time, but uh, he tells Susie about how the uh, her prick son ruined it for him. <laughs> so Larry needs a ride uh, to get back home, and he can't get an Uber. It turns out that Larry now has a one-star rating on Uber. Do you guys know your Uber rating? I tried to look it up. The only time I've ever I actually use Lyft instead of Uber. But the only time mm. I've ever used it is the last two times uh, that I was in New York for the know it all. So I've only got like seven total rides and I couldn't find out my rating. So, OK, is yeah. it, do you have the app open? I'll, I'll open it right now. I'll pull it up. I know I've always given the driver five stars, uh, but I'll pull up Lyft. I, I, I went to my profile and I couldn't figure out how people are rating me. Oh, so wait, you're I, I don't know. Do you have a Lyft rating? I, I think you might only have an Uber rating. Oh, okay. Do passengers not get ratings in Lyft? I would have been uh, way more of a dick if I'd known that. Yeah, I'm not sure if you get a passenger rating on on Lyft. I'm not. I my sister says Lyft doesn't do background checks, so she's like nervous to go in them at night. Oh, okay. All right, well, Keith, uh, and you don't have an Uber mm-hmm. rating, right? No, we have a Get Taxi here. Um, but I, I took the the I would have given the guy who drove me back from the Know It Alls after party to Penn Station forty stars. It was the wokest guy I'd ever met. He gave <laughs> yeah. me in the in the from 80th Street to 34th Street, like a straight shot down Seventh Avenue. He gave me so many conspiracy theories, like I was like juggling them by the end. I didn't want to leave the car. Wow, it was great. <laughs> like yeah. Mayor Bloomberg still running the city. De Blasio's his puppet. There's a shadow uh, like, government of NYC. Listen, this guy knows. Trust me. He knows what he's talking about. This this taxi driver. He was really anti Uber. He said they ruined the city. Uh, he would never be an Uber driver because they make not they make much less money than him. He's like, we're the king of the drivers. Uber is the second. And then Lyft is the worst. And he also said, like, but he was a Bloomberg cab driver. Five, yeah, this. Yeah, it was a, it was a yellow cab. Okay. Bloomberg had uh, five billion dollars when he became governor. Now he's worth like sixty five. Hmm. So. How do you think wow. he, you know, in, how do you think he got rich? It's uh, Seems he, used legit. The city, he used the city as a piggy bank. I'm like, this guy, had yeah. a lot of, I should have taken him all the way back to Long Island. This guy had a lot of good theories. <laughs> yeah. So my Uber rating is a 4.00, mm. uh, which seems low to me. Like, I don't know what I did because I think I've taken a few. Tri- I don't take a lot of Uber, but, you know, I've taken it a few times and uh, so somebody must have given me like a like a, a really bad score at one point to only be at a four. Well, there was a, this somebody asked you this on a, a Seinfeld episode like six months ago, and you had a, like a rating in the three and a halfs. So one that tells me you don't have a lot of you don't take a lot of uh, Ubers and like one or two more. people. Yeah, yeah, one or two people gave you a bad rating, and that like Larry, who's probably only taken two rides, really affects his rating. Although Larry might have a one from fifty different people knowing Larry. <laughs> Uh, and now you've actually raised it because I think it was like a three six last time where people said, "Ooh, that's really low." Yeah. Now you're I, up to a four. I don't know what I did, you know, to piss somebody mm. off. I probably was someplace like where it was hard to get me. Oh, it was mm. probably a time thing. You're saying, okay? Yeah, I think that that's probably it. But because I'm on my best behavior in these Ubers. Oh yeah, when I saw I the camera that. up on that rearview mirror, I was not I was not going to do anything remotely sketchy. <laughs> There's a camera. Not that I would anyway. By the way, just putting There's it out a camera there. Camera. The yeah, what were you? What would you do? There was a camera. One of the lifts that I took was literally had like three different cameras. Yeah, I thought it was on like a game show. Uber wow. Confessions. 
Okay. All right. So uh, we see then Larry gets picked up by a new Uber driver. Uh, he got a one star rating from the Romanian and Larry needs to uh, go and uh, investigate this. Uh, Larry gets in his house. It's 92 degrees because Leon has brought Yogi Tina over. Uh, and the problem is that the guest house doesn't get hot enough. And where is uh, Leon with Yogi Tina in Larry's bedroom, Keith? Or the guest bedroom near it. Yeah. Uh, he does seem like he has any bedroom access to bring women back to. Now he's got Eddie Haskell access. Yeah, he like has Father Cleaver access. Did you know Eddie Haskell and, and the, the, the child who allegedly has Asperger's are both named Eddie? Oh, interesting. I don't mm. know if there's like a thing there. Um, but yeah, no, Leon, is, uh, Leon has the, uh, the run of this house. It's pretty impressive what he's allowed to do. Okay. And so Larry does not want this to be happening. Uh, he doesn't enjoy uh, the uh, scent of of F also, by the way. <laughs> he doesn't like that. I like I like when Rob like delicately it's funny because we did Seinfeld for so long and they didn't the cursor in or like get really racy. So it's funny now to like have to dance around things. Yeah, it it's is. A family I show. was going to say, like anyone <laughs> an hour into a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast, I would imagine has heard that word before. Although Never. I do understand, Never. Rob, what, yeah. you, what you're going for. Yeah, yeah. I did. I, I, I pointed out um, at the after party when someone was saying like, I, I don't think I cursed once in 108 episodes of Seinfeld. Yeah, I I speak on podcasts as if my dad is listening, and he's a rabbit. Like, <laughs> well, even people, I try, even like, though he's not, they they didn't watch Kerber enthusiasm at work, but they might listen to this at work, or they might be like uh, driving around with their without kids. headphones. I feel like that's a bad move to listen to this podcast. Probably, probably it was not yeah, a good just idea. for taste reasons. People like hate you. Yeah, and so. Uh, Larry basically tells uh, Leon uh, no on uh, bringing back uh, Yogi Tina uh, to the house. So we see a reunion with uh, Yogi Tina. Uh, She mentions how 92 degrees happens to be the optimal temperature for a climax. Colin, you buying or selling 92 degrees? I am selling that very fast. Uh, I do not buy that 92 degrees is really the optimal temperature for anything. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you ever been in a house that's like 80? Like you look at the it's, Nest it's thermostat. times, yeah, man. You I can't even that, walk yeah. in. You're like pouring sweat. 92 yeah. is you'll die. No, I, I did. My uh, office is often uh, higher than 92. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, Rob, uh, we were in that 500 person theater. Uh, I was seated in the in the balcony in the back. And I know you and Steven came up uh, to watch in that section as the episode was airing. It got really hot up there. And I don't think that was even close to 92 Oh, see, degrees. I thought that that was just like my panic attack. That that's why, why I was like. <laughs> no, really... I thought it was hot, too. I took off my jacket. Like, yeah, it did get hot in the in the theater. I don't know why. See, I thought that was just me. I was saying to Steven, I'm like, Steven, is it, uh, is it, is it hot? I thought he was fine. Uh, Steven was wearing, Steven, even at the bar that was like completely packed, was still wearing like a wool three piece suit the oh, entire yeah, that's night. True. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, Larry and Bridget are on a date and, uh, they are taking Eddie out with them. Uh, he wants a cheeseburger with no condiments. Yeah, I've played that game, by the way. I am not a condiment guy in general, although I would allow uh, either ketchup or barbecue sauce on my on my cheeseburger. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Larry sees the Romanian Uber driver and uh, calls him out about the low rating. Can't be changed after the fact. Who knew? I like that. He's like, I'm going to go into the algorithm. (laughs) I was wondering, has Uber how many lives has Uber potentially ruined like rides that people desperately needed but couldn't get picked up because their rating was too low? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keith, do you like this meritocracy from the Uber? I do go. I wonder, like, certain things on, you know, in the modern day sort of internet world, you can, like, rebrand yourself, right? I wonder if there's a way to, like, change your name a little bit or change some identifying, like, get a new phone that, like, to start over again if you have a really bad rating. Right. So where people say on Twitter, you should have to have a Twitter account attached to your actual name. You feel like that. Could you just have like a, like some sort of like a uh, fake account and then be on Uber as a different person? Burner accounts for Uber? Yeah, burner yeah, Uber Someone write account. in and let us know for next week. I feel like you could do this. I think There's it's no attached way that to your phone number. I think that's what the problem is. So, so if you got a burner oh. phone, a burner smartphone, then you get a new Uber account, and then you could just be doing whatever you want. There's got to be a way if you Google it to like fix it. Because what if you switch your phone number? Like the new person doesn't inherit your Uber account. Oh, mm. boy, that, that's curb episode writes itself, Keith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Larry is back at his place with Jeff that they're waiting to try to get the air conditioning heating fixed. And so uh, Larry is talking about how the kid is an a-hole and uh, that he doesn't think he's on the spectrum. He just thinks he's a bad kid. Larry is going to uh, just start saying that he is now on the spectrum. Yeah, I, and uh, I was reading I, I somewhere on Twitter. I saw someone say, uh, how has this not happened sooner? Larry being someone who seems very clever in coming up with excuses for uh, himself and why he had to behave certain ways. It seems like uh, almost like the episode of South Park where Cartman finds out about Tourette's syndrome and decides that means he could just swear as much as he wants. Uh, I feel like Larry would have stumbled onto this long before age 70 or whatever. Yeah. Keeve, now I know Larry yeah. is saying this as a joke, but uh, mm-hmm. I mean, could this actually be a diagnosis? Yeah, I mean, it's not unheard of. It, like, it definitely made us think, probably all of us, like, oh, yeah, maybe Larry is, like, the tiniest bit on the spectrum, but he's not. I don't think he is. I think people are very quick. To, I've had people tell me, like, oh, yeah, I'm on the spectrum, but, like, I think people are very quick to self-diagnose themselves with all sorts of things, including this. Mm-hmm. Someone did tweet at us. I don't know if you caught this on Twitter, like, a few months ago. And they're like, uh, hey, Rob, I like the Seinfeld podcast, even though your co-host uh, is kind of spectrum-y. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> people are diagnosing me on Twitter. Like, Twitter eggs are, uh, are you know, coming out and saying I'm on the spectrum. So, who knows? They might be bots. You think it's a bot who's coming up with that, that gold? I'm not sure. <laughs> you think it's like someone from Russia? Like, I mean, I don't know if that's where they're from. Maybe they're, maybe they're from Romania. They got nothing, there's no pretty women there, so they're just... Like, Do you, is is Larry going to get any kind of backlash from the... Uh, like autism community or whatever for un- is he undermining the validity I don't think of the this show but- gets the backlash I think it's I think it sort of operates at this point in the world where only people who like it watch it because uh, mm-hmm. there have been worse things obviously this season and in previous seasons where we're like ooh maybe that will get some heat and it never does but that being the said- outrage machine is very selective Colin it really needs to be you need to bring it to them like SNL has eight nine million right. people watch it every week this show has one Keep, you know? what if Larry does basically this plot line as his monologue on SNL where he talks about how so I, I dated this woman she said she had a kid that had mm. Asperger's I don't know I think that the kid just might be an a hole. You know, yeah, I, she good. said not, I, he, gets, he gets more laughs than he got, but uh, he gets probably more hate. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I feel like the moms of kids with autism are, are more organized. I, I feel like he would have got a lot of a lot of flack for that. Honestly. Yeah. Interesting. So it's, it's like same jokes, but, you know, different setting and uh, be a different reaction. That's how, that's how all these things work. It's like this. It, it's just how it's the outrage machine, even with um like a lot of the things that are coming out recently about about like the Hollywood guys acting 
poorly. Like most of them were things that people sort of knew were openly speculated. It's just like it needs to reach a crescendo. So you sort of need more people to care about it. And, 92 and degrees yeah, I, I, I is the optimal temperature guy. for a crescendo, right? Yes, exactly. I, I remember in Family Guy on 2005, they said Larry David's a Holocaust denier. So, so pull that clip up. Mm. Right. Right. And, and, and the thing about it, like Family Guy had to pull an episode because uh, people thought it was too anti-Jewish and the When You Wish Upon a Weinstein like 2000 and one i don't i don't know what year it was and that like, was like season one or two yeah yeah now because but eyes were on the show then because it was popular now they could literally like be actual holocaust deniers and nobody would even notice family guy you know what i mean like if people have to be paying attention to you for mm-hmm. uh you know that's why i was happy the Seinfeld podcast never got so popular rob because i feel like a little bit more popular we would have gotten in trouble that's right that's right <laughs> okay we were in that sweet spot so yes. larry uh talks to the uh, person who's uh, there to fix the uh the heating and ac and uh, goes through the whole thing with him about how if you had to pick one what does he like better heat or ac and Colin, uh, the, the the mechanic never really gives Larry an answer. Yeah, uh, which to me is crazy and is nonsense. And as I've already uh, talked about earlier, uh, the heat at the know-it-alls was really getting to me because I just internally run so hot that give me air Whoa. conditioning. If I could only have one for the mm. rest of my life, at least you yeah. can put blankets on if you're put hot or whatever. On. You, you can't can, put clothes right. off. You'd right. be a creep. Right. Can't take clothes off. I agree. So I, to me, this is a no brainer. Uh, and by the way, Will Sasso, uh, I, I'm, go- I'm glad to see him, see him still working. I would have thought his career would be bigger by now than just cameos on curb. Yeah. I, well, I think it's bags. like prestigious, even though it's not like the greatest gig and you're not paying the bills necessarily. Like, I think a lot of comedians are happy to do a bit part on curb. Just no, no question. Cool. Like, I'm sure Damon Wayans Jr. was thrilled to get to go yeah. be the cop or whatever. Yeah. Get to meet uh, LD and, and it's probably cool. They're actually not only Will Sasso, uh, but the woman who I think it was last week was on the airplane with him. I would have sworn mm-hmm. that both of them had already cameoed on Curb Your Enthusiasm before. It's possible. The, you know, Seinfeld I, I, used to do that a lot where they'd flip, you know, a character would play two different people. Yeah, but Rob, eventually he does pick uh, he does pick heating he, over yes. cooling and he sends cooling to the concentration camp. <laughs> you know, it's ironic that Larry got in so much trouble last week. And again, you know, to sort of prove my point, he will get no flack for this, even though it's the same joke. Now, people did say last week that the their issue with the SNL joke was that it wasn't funny enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you can go there, but you need to hit a home run. And so I think this is pretty funny. This this uh, cooling versus heating thing. Uh, whereas maybe last week his delivery wasn't great on Saturday Night Live, but it's interesting. Same joke, no outrage. Right. And so Larry gets a text from Bridget. She wants to uh, expletive deleted, which I thought was funny from her, uh, the censor. And so uh, Larry goes and tells the repairman that uh, when is this going to be fixed? Because he doesn't want to consummate with all of this heat. He doesn't even want to take his shirt off. Off and uh, Bill, the repairman, starts saying like, "Oh, that's crazy!" Because uh, I, when I just start kissing, I want to t- uh, take my shirt off. And Larry, <laughs> <laughs> well, we've seen Larry uh, with with the yeah. Palestinian woman this season and a few seasons ago keeps his shirt on. Yeah, no, but that was we so just, so on. great when the mechanic starts yeah. talking like Larry's like, ah, ah, "All right, sir." And, and right as the audience gets uncomfortable with this like gross guy talking about it so does larry it's pretty funny mm-hmm. like, right, i know it started this conversation <laughs> but we gotta end it yeah is, there's too many visuals in my head i don't need and so 
Then there's a knock at the door. Leon answers, and it's the guy who Larry backed into his car, and he assumes that Leon is Larry and basically forgives for the whole thing. Yeah, uh, pretty remarkable turnaround. I can't imagine what prompted that change in mindset there uh, from our, our favorite TV judge slash lawyer guy. That was great, though, how uh, I didn't notice this until rewatching. Uh, Leon basically says nothing during that whole exchange. And I was wondering, uh, did I miss it? Was Leon aware that this might be the person answering the door and he was trying not to? Because his voice sounds nothing like Larry. And it seems like the guy, if Leon said too much, would quickly notice it's not the same guy he was talking to. I just thought that Leon is street smart and knows to mm-hmm. not blow this. He knows that this is going in a positive direction. It seems like Leon, though, if it, when he answers the door, tends to be really chatty, even with strangers. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, I didn't know if Leon was somehow in on it and I missed it. But nonetheless, Leon did a fantastic job here. I did think that because Leon ends up getting blamed by Larry for the whole thing happening, that I felt like that this was Leon's way of uh, coming full circle. OK, so like Larry with uh, Mr. Takahashi from the golf club, <laughs> like this is his yeah. penance. Yes. Yes. He's able to fix it. Uh, and so Larry is able to get away with uh, not having to pay for uh, this guy's uh, car to get fixed. Yeah. Never, never run bad. Larry David. Good thing. He, I mean, he's got four hundred million dollars. So <laughs> why pay that we know of? Yeah. OK. Yeah, but wait till he becomes mayor of New York City. It's going to be like four billion by the end of That's it. That's true. OK. Larry <laughs> goes will. then to the mechanic. To apologize for uh, for uh, saying that I didn't know that Jeff didn't tell me that you were black. And then he ends up uh, telling him that he has Asperger's. Greg, very sympathetic to this. Yeah. When I when I was when I taught uh, special needs children, most of them were on the spectrum. But there was one or two kids who had uh, Tourette syndrome. And so sometimes we go out in public. We take the subway to a museum in the city. And like you'd almost, you know, um, someone would say something inappropriate like you're fat. The one we had a kid who'd always tell women that they're fat. Um, only you'd only he would only tell fat women that they were fat. To be fair, um, and uh, and so it would be better, I guess, if he if he told everyone. But um, so like you'd almost have to do like you know explain like all right, we're, this is a school for special children, and they would always understand. Um, but uh, you know, I have been in that boat, but also like maybe not able. They were not always able to explain themselves. One of one of my students was able to say like, sorry, I have uh, I have Tourette syndrome. Like I apologize for what I said. I can't control it. But one of them didn't, and um, so you sort of have to be the uh, Larry in the situation. Well, I was I was wondering, even if the guy found out that Larry had Asperger's, would he be that quick to just turn? Well, why would he feel bad about that? He, I think he would understand why yeah. Larry might blurt something out. But I don't think he would feel like he did anything wrong in the initial exchange. Yeah, I'm not sure necessarily if he felt bad they did something wrong, but maybe he felt bad that he was uh, so hard on Larry and then mm. was like uh, really stretching out the time frame to uh, get the car fixed. But I do feel like that this is the kind of thing where Larry should get some sort of a comeuppance here for deciding that he, you know, he's like uh, taking advantage of a person. He is, uh, you know, really overdoing whatever sort of like. Uh, symptoms uh, that he might have here. Like, I I thought he was going to get busted. Right. He essentially crashes into a car and then cons his way into other people paying for both of the car's damage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Larry ends up, uh, you know, being able to uh, walk away from all of this and he ends up being back home with Leon and gets a message from Bridget again 
and he needs to get over to her house. Uh, he can't get an Uber because of his rating. And also, Leon uh, won't get an Uber for Larry. Yeah. Why can't he get a uh, cab, though? It's a good question. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the thing. It's, it goes back once again to uh, the practicality. It seems like Larry is, when it's convenient, really rich. And when it's convenient, yeah, totally. has nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, he could just like, ask a stranger, like, uh, I'll give you a thousand dollars. Just drive me to this lady's house. Like, that would right, be totally like, normal. Go, put my name into Google, put an ad up on Craigslist, and he could get 500 people lining up to drive him there by the end of the hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be an interesting Craigslist ad. Need to sleep with woman on the other side of L.A. Right. <laughs> I mean, hour to get there. How many, like, uh, like aspiring TV writers would uh, give Larry David uh, a ride to any boo- anywhere he wanted to go. They'd drive him across the country. Right. It's another thing that it seems like we would see more on Curb Your Enthusiasm, although it may be not because he's usually with uh, his friends who are also like higher ups in the entertainment industry. It's not like Ted Danson needs him to read a script, but it does seem like in the real world, I'm sure Larry David, anywhere he goes, is getting asked to his thoughts on stuff and to read scripts and so forth. I would have thought that that could be like uh, that would have been like one of the things over all the seasons that he was like routinely complaining about uh, is everyone wanting his input on stuff when he's like trying to be. Out of remember, game. Colin, he's not as famous on in the in the in the canon of the show because there's no curb enthusiasm for people to know his face. That's okay. So that's you fair. didn't know people what he looked like when Seinfeld ended, right? So mm-hmm. he's not necessarily a public figure. He's just a wealthy one. Got it. Okay. Uh, so we see Larry having to wait for the bus. Uh, Larry on the bus was fantastic. I thought that Larry ends up uh, arguing with uh, an Asian woman. And uh, <laughs> I mean, she's, uh, she's uh, yelling at him. He's yelling back at her. I thought this was very funny. Yeah, when he eventually, like, somehow evolves into repeating the same syllables she's using, like a language he doesn't speak back at her is so good. Yeah. Larry needs to transfer. There's a guy on the bus who uh, Larry's asking him questions. He's like, I'm not your babysitter. <laughs> I, I thought there was going to be more from that guy, too. He seemed really good. I, I Like, I don't think this is going to happen, but I would love it to see that guy pop back up. I thought he was going to come back into play somehow. Mm-hmm. Rob, do you ever use the L.A. bus? Because it's, it's, they made it seem like a total nightmare. No, here. I've never been on the L.A. bus. Uh, well, look at Mr. Fancy Pants yeah. here, Colin. Never been on the bus. No, that I, I watched the movie. Is it Crash? And Ludacris said, don't do it. So I, I listened to Luda. <laughs> What yeah, about it's, trains? It's, it's Do you ever take to, the trains in LA? It's there to shame you, Rob. I've taken the, uh, the, like, there is a subway system. I've been on that a couple of times. Uh, and I've taken, like, an Amtrak uh, in LA. Oh, okay. But it's not super convenient, the, like, uh, LA uh, rail system. How's your Amtrak rating? Uh, Amtrak rating <laughs> is good. Never had a problem. Okay, good. So far, so good. Okay. Uh, Larry ends up then getting into a confrontation with a, another, uh, uh, with a female bus driver. Uh, he won't get behind the yellow line. He's asking a lot of questions. And uh, the whole bus is ready to mutiny against Larry. Mm-hmm. I, I was wondering also about, uh, I don't know if, th- if this was like an intentional layer to the episode or not, but uh, where we have the 
white guy confusing the black guy's voice for a white guy's voice. And then later, uh, the whole thing with Leon and that judge actor where he confuses Leon and think, you know, he, he correctly thinks the guy's talking to his white and then shows up and it's Leon. Was there something to deliberately having right away Leon, the black guy cause Larry to get into a car crash. And then the episode ends with Larry, the white guy causing the black woman to get into a car crash. Was that, or, or was that just a coincidence? I think it was just a coincidence. I think that's maybe okay. one level too far. Okay. I, you, I, I may have a tendency to read too far into these things. <laughs> You're reading <laughs> too okay. much into the edit, Colin. The edit. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they wouldn't include it. It was subtitled, Rob. You got to pay attention to the subtitles. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the bus people, uh, they're, you know, getting, getting on Larry. He ends up telling them that he has Asperger's. Uh, he's on the spectrum. Um, so, does Larry end up making it to Bridget's house? I feel like we go back to Larry at his own house then. Yeah, he gets thrown off the bus like physically, right? Too far. And also in the in the uh, slight spoiler for next week, but in the coming attractions, he he says, you know, Bridget's in the coming attractions and he tells uh, her son, Eddie, that that they have not yet uh, consummated it. Yet. But it's so imminent. I would assume he didn't make it over there. Yeah, yeah it's coming. <laughs> well, that seems like appropriate discussion for her 10 year old son. <laughs> well, you'll see what, ha- you know, what the context is in uh, next week's episode. Yeah, he could be working actively against Larry. So mm-hmm. Larry ends up getting back to his house. It is once again very hot in there. And uh, Larry hears uh, some noises coming from upstairs, uh, presumably with uh, Leon and Yogi Tina. And wait, 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 wait. I'm, I'm wait. Do you think it's Yogi Tina or you're saying presumably? I, I, th- I mean, I think it is. Why you don't think it is? Colin, what do you think? This was the question that I was getting at. And this is why why the ending. Chester thought this was Yogi Tina. I I thought. Yeah. What do you think, Colin? Because this is going to be interesting. This is is what confused me. And I was wondering and I was watching closely the second time through to figure out what I missed about uh, what tied that ending together Mm -hmm. where it seemed like we were. I don't know who we would think it would be other than Yogi Tina. But I also don't see why we would be meant to understand what Larry would care about her being Jewish in the moment or like what that what relevance that had at all and I could easily see it being someone other than Yogi Tina uh, because it it didn't seem like that had been referenced to her virtually at any point well let me mansplain this to you guys because this is this is for sure the answer so if you remember we didn't really touch in this conversation but when Leon says oh yeah the mechanic was black Larry says, I would recognize a Jewish voice right. within, you know, a minute and oh, I would be able to tell yes, yes. if they're reform or conservative within, within, within 90 two minutes. Seconds. Yeah. Right. OK, got it. So now this is a similar to the sort of main culprit last week with the writing on the cars being just a random person who we had no, you know, it, like it. Ru- I'm not saying this is a perfect twist, but this is sort of like they're willing to sort of have this out of out of left field person be part of the. The sort of like uh, the end of the episode, like remember last week it was the neighbor who we didn't know who it was like riding on the car, which made no sense comedically. But, you know, like at least was the answer to, to who had been doing it. So this is a separate Jewish lady who he's sleeping with. And then the joke is that Larry recognizes she's Jewish. Oh, just from her. Well, voice I disagree. When he hears God, it. I disagree. Yeah. I, I oh, believe no, I'm just going to say, yeah. I'm a hundred percent right. Well, no, well, 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 I believe the joke is that Larry discovers that Yogi Tina is Jewish and she mm. had not let that on 
before, and this Ooh. is how Larry discovers that she's Jewish. I, I, I just, I, I think the voice is different. I think, first of all, Tina is like the least Jewish name. It's like short for that's Christina. Why, that's why it's a, a reveal. Uh, I So this is what Chester said. You're in terrible company. Um, I, I I think you are so wrong, but now I'm curious. Like, we almost have to, sometimes we'd have arguments, Colin, on Seinfeld episodes, and we could ask a writer, you know, if it's a really big writer like Larry, David, or Larry Charles, they're not going to, you, you're not going to be able to contact them. But a lot of the other writers, you could really get a question into and they'd answer I, I don't know, but we're going to have to get to the bottom okay. of this because I am so sure that you guys are wrong. But, but yeah, well, I you, think, you Colin, you're in between, right? You're, I, you're I'm not, in between. I'll, I would lean that it is a different woman. And that, I think it's a different woman because the voice would, is so different. They just right, made her yes, very exactly. Jewy. She did like if That's someone said to me, do a, uh, a, 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 a like stereotypically dorky Jewish woman voice. That's what it would sound like, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. It would be like a Mike Bloom impression well, of, of like, okay. a, of like. Well, a here, well, let me give you uh, some more of my reasoning that okay. I, okay. I that Larry established early in the episode that maybe Yogi Tina is a bit of a phony baloney to begin with. That she's mm. so offended. Are you saying by, all Jews are phony balonies? No, I'm saying fight. that she is that she has adopted this Yogi persona. And oh. that that is like Larry is able to get her to say, get the uh, F out of here. And uh, that, that that just made my day. Maybe she is sort of like that. She is uh, not who she says she is. OK, well, either way, this definitely explains the ending a lot better for me. I did not do the. I didn't make the connection between I would recognize a Jewish voice anywhere. So yeah. that that's why the last line just made. I was like, what is going on with the with the ending of this episode? But I I am tempted at this point. Uh, to side with Keeve, although Rob mm. makes a compelling case. Because it, that if you were going to be a successful yogi, you need to have sort of like that sort of flighty persona of like, okay, everybody, namaste. And so uh, that that's why I think that maybe at the height of climax, she drops that persona. Mm. Mm. It's interesting. interesting. I could see it. Go- I mean, I that makes more sense to me than way. it was uh, just a, a, for the second episode in a row, a completely random person at the end yeah, of the but, episode. But again, like there is precedent, right? It's literally last week. That's how they ended, right? But that, that may, implies that that's a thing they're going for. It's, I don't think it's a thing they're going for. I think they're just sloppy with their endings, like Colin alluded to an hour ago. Like, I just think they're not nailing the, the landing. I, I'm just so sure. I also think maybe there is a slight cultural thing where I recognize that voice more than you guys. Uh, I got and the joke. I got the joke. When I heard it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is another woman. I thought that, that was the thing for me is the voice sounded so different. All right. Well, I guess we'll have to wait for the uh, the audience to weigh in on this. What yeah. did Alan one way, the, say? one way or the other, Leon is bringing the ruckus and that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. We can ask Seppenwall, but he again, he's not involved in the show. He could just give us his take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, good stuff. I, I did enjoy this episode. That I know that the uh, the ending was weak sauce, but uh, I felt like all in all, I was laughing uh, quite a bit during this episode. Yeah, a lot of really good Larry moments. I think just Larry character moments uh, in there, and even in the beginning. Uh, if we, I think to go back to, if we hadn't seen the thank you for your service, whatever, two weeks ago, uh, I think the namaste thing would have had would have played a lot better. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, we're gonna do the uh, uh, scale of one to ten, or should we do one to five in, for the Uber rating? Oh, we'll do one <laughs> to five for this week's uh, in, in in light of this week's new rule. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, for me, I will give it four stars on Uber. Okay, so that's an eight. You're giving it an eight. Yeah. 
Or or does your scale work differently? <laughs> <laughs> and can we do half stars? Because I don't think Uber. That's does what I was going to say. Is I'm so disappointed that I don't come in, get to come in here and give. I don't like think 10, you can give a percent. half star. Well, on you Uber. can. Rob doesn't set how many decibels you could do. I could do, give as many decimals as I want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob forgets every week that I do it. Like the bit is is new every week. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Colin? I am going to. So I I believe you guys both do this differently. Uh, between. Whether it is one through five on a scale of the worst curb episode to the best yeah. curb episode or just a bad TV episode to a good TV episode. Right, right. We haven't figured it out yet. Well, we'll right. we, what exactly. are you going to okay. be doing? So, so let us fill us in before you give us the the grade. I'm going to I'm going to give it uh, overall TV episode because I don't want to give it a low number because I just love Curb Your Enthusiasm. Well, this mm. wouldn't be probably in my top half of Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes uh, for a sitcom episode in the year 2017. I am going to give this 4.367 stars. Ooh, I like it. I, I just love Curb Your Enthusiasm. There's there's nothing that uh, I think r- brings me genuine giant laughs as regularly as Larry David does. OK, you know, I agree. Even even in a even in a bad episode, I laugh at loud more at Curb than I do at almost any other yeah. show. Even an episode, and none of these, this isn't bad for sure, but it's a little uneven. The ending could have been better. Sometimes they could cut the fat. There's another 33-minute episode that maybe you cut out the second argument with the Romanian guy. Like, there's one or two things you could sort of cut or at least tighten uh, and and not, um, you know, not lose anything. Uh, but I will give it on a, I'm going to give it a three and a half. I'm going to let Colin do the major decimals this week. But a three and a half, which is a seven. I think it's a good episode. Not the worst one this season. Certainly not the best. But, but you know, good curb. Mediocre curb. It's like pizza, right? It's it's still better than most things. Okay. Right. The math I was doing is curb for me is going to bottom out around four stars compared to most. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Uh, right. So so while this is probably in the lower end of curb episodes for me, it's definitely But doesn't that give you such sold. a small yeah. palette to be able to... Well, especially uh, to, on a four to, to, to rate, five scale. Uh, on, so basically that, that if it was a test pattern, it's four stars. And then if it was the best episode of all time, it's five five stars you're really you're just really constraining yourself to that one little spectrum of being able to go one way or the other colin you're putting handcuffs on yourself i guess what i i guess my thesis essentially is larry david at his worst is at least better than 80 percent of comedy on television mm-hmm. yeah i mean uh, we don't need to get into this uh debate uh yeah. again okay <laughs> Uh, curb at posturerecaps.com is the email address if you want to send us in your comments. Uh, where should we start the mailbag, Keeve? Uh, let's start with uh, the big hit from our uh, Seinfeld live show. Uh, the man who came in from the West Coast, Nelson from Denver. Okay. Uh, you got this one or you want me to take it? Uh, you, you, uh, you take it. Okay. We'll switch off. Nelson from Denver. Hey, Robin Akiva. Great meeting you guys at the live Frogger last week. I, I, also, Nelson from Denver. I hope uh, I just want him to know. Uh, I ate both of those chunkies in my hotel room. Oh, is he the chunky sender? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Rob, uh, people brought us a bunch of stuff. Someone gave us a lot of Mets paraphernalia. Or gave you and you were kind enough to share some of it with me. But the, um, yeah. the, the Matt Harvey, uh, gnome I gave to my son as a present. You know, I didn't say someone else gave it to me. I, I pretend to be a great dad. Yeah. Rob. 
And uh, he's like, okay, I'm going to bring it to my room. It did not make it to his room. He broke it on the way. Uh, <laughs> l- much like the real Matt Harvey. Easily very broken. Yes, that's yeah. what I said to my wife, who didn't get it. Yeah. I'm like, uh, you know, this is, like, he's he's like the Mets pitching staff. Luckily, my wife is very handy and, like, glued it back together. Yeah. Now it's, now it's. Because not everybody would uh, eat the uh, stuff given to them at a live show for fear of being poisoned. But I take my well, life I in my hands. I did say this. Someone, yeah. someone brought you cookies at the Big Brother show in August. And I said in front of them, which was probably rude, I said, like, you know, Rob, one day I hope you get famous enough that you can't eat the, you know, like, Louis C.K. wouldn't eat. Oh, like, that's a bad well, example. Now, no. like, Chelsea Peretti wouldn't, uh, you know, if she did a stand-up Louis show. Louis C.K. should not which, eat the stuff that gets brought to him now. No, at this point, no. Right. But <laughs> should like, get Chelsea Peretti, Sarah Silverman, or they're not eating... The, you know what what a guest is bringing them because they're too famous but I, I you know like you're still at the point where you can but maybe although when i said that i think taron armstrong said yeah i wouldn't even even now i, I wouldn't need anything someone brought me who i didn't know okay um, well <laughs> we don't need to explore that but uh i did eat those cookies i ate that chunky and i will continue to eat mm. things people bring did me. you eat them at harvey gnome uh no i no i did not uh, but anyway, Nelson wants to know, uh, is LD strapped for cash this season? He's complained about the cost of a chair, worried about glasses he could replace. And in this episode, he's taking an Uber and a bus when he could totally afford a rental car. Also, do you think that Larry would own more than one car? Yeah, similar question. Eric Raskin, uh, formerly of Grantland, now of uh, Breaking Bill podcast, asks, uh, any points taken away for not even trying to explain why multimillionaire Larry doesn't just get a rental car? And then he, he sort of adds like a second part, like bigger picture. Are the, are the curb laughs worth sacrificing sacrificing plot logic for, right? Like, how much do we care? Are we, like, plot guys or are we just, like, give us jokes, I don't care how you get there type of guys? What do you think, Colin? Yeah, uh, it is honestly kind of an issue for me that does arise uh, from time to time in Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes where – uh, and I know we touched a little bit on this before, but th- this is a great example uh, of like, how doesn't Larry have at the very least someone who can come pick him up and he can just buy a chauffeur for a couple of days while his car is getting fixed. Uh, I do think that this is a valid gripe, given that he is still the co-creator of Seinfeld within the Curb Your Enthusiasm universe. Like, yes, uh, he's probably not going to get nearly as many waiters going up to him at Hollywood parties, uh, offering him scripts as Jerry Seinfeld would in the Curb universe. But it does still seem, like I said earlier, uh, like they tend to disregard his his financial status almost entirely in certain spots for the sake of comedy. And while I do think Curb essentially exists to be a vehicle for Larry to get into uh, arguments with people in everyday situations, and he kind of needs to be an everyman to make a lot of that happen. I do, I, I do think if honestly, if there was one complaint I had about Curb, uh, it's how selective they are with just disregarding the infinite money that he obviously has. Yeah, but sometimes being rich isn't so funny. But I think it's a good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, it was something that would bother me in Seinfeld. Uh, for whatever reason, it doesn't bother me as much in Curb. Well, I'm Curb just, is more fantastical. I feel like I, I feel like it's less grounded in reality than Seinfeld for some reason. Right. And I, actually, I was uh, I I don't know if either of you guys listened to. Did you listen to the uh, Jim Miller five part Curb podcast? Yeah, we listened about, to a lot like, of it. Yeah. Yeah. Where Larry talks about that music and he's like, I want the theme song. He said, I chose it because I want to just constantly be reminding people that this is very circusy. So yes, I do think yeah, it's consi- yeah. like, yeah. Uh, I do think it it makes sense. I don't think that we're meant to take it uh, as like a literal documentary about like what Larry's life would be like without, uh, you know, if he had just quit after Seinfeld, basically. Okay. Keith, what does Dominic have to say? Uh, So who is our leading candidate for a Curb Season 9 MVP so far? What do you think, Colin? 
Uh, I would say Leon at this point. Yeah, I think we're all going to go with Leon. I don't think I think it's going to be unanimous now and in three episodes. It's Leon and There's it's nothing not close. he can do. He's wrapped it up. Yeah, yeah. And he's wrapped up the MVP. If we were going to come up with some sort of a lar for uh, laughs above replacement, like if you just took Leon mm-hmm. out and put in, you know, average uh, actor into that spot. Uh, I just think that Leon is overperforming what is available to him by such a huge margin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Oh, I, I do think uh, Susie in particular could put in a bid near the end of this season because I'm with you that we're going to have Larry ruin Sammy's wedding somehow. Oh, yeah, that's uh, happening. I'm guessing, no question. And, and Susie's going to scream her head off at him uh, yeah. near the end of that. And I'm, and I'm guessing we're going to have uh, some more great Susie stuff coming our way. And I would probably have her at number two. Uh, but And they, may, they might be my two favorite just non-Larry characters in the Curb universe uh, overall. So maybe I'm, I'm partial to her. Uh, but I, I think she's had a strong season as well. Okay. And, and Rob has uh, Richard Lewis last and he He's he's an LVP. LVP. Yeah. <laughs> LVID P. Okay. Uh, this is uh, Travis who says, uh, I'm really enjoying the dynamic between Larry and Susie in this episode. She'd been the antagonist, or at least the ball buster for most of the season, whether blowing up the accidental text on purpose, punching him after getting foisted, or kicking him out of the dinner party for requesting broiled salmon, setting him up with Bridget, although reluctantly was quite a departure from the earlier episodes. But I found it believable that despite everything that's passed between them she still has a soft spot for laugh do you find it it, did did he say he found it believable or not because i've been wondering why Susie. uh, i remember back in like season two or whatever she banned him from the house and i don't know how he hasn't been re-banned several times over by now yeah it is her husband's like main client it seems like i feel like she has to respect the business somewhat no right what's he doing for him these days i guess not much yeah i guess not (laughs) much maybe residuals he's getting you know she's probably (laughs) known him for 20 25 years at this point and i think that yeah he gets on her last nerve but i think that that's just you know how she is better question why does larry continue to want this punishment from Susie? like it's a nightmare every time he goes over there like Susie's crazy so she craves conflict like larry why does he want this it's nuts i think that it keeps him grounded i think that he's probably surrounded by like sycophants and people that don't give it to him straight i think he likes that he talked about last week about how i know exactly who you are uh did he is uh you know you're you're from uh i forget what borough uh he identified her as and i think that there's something that he really, you know, uh, feels like uh, very grounded with her. We got one more email, Rob. Okay. Dan, in Chester's place this week, we got Dan the Benefactor. Why, why, is Chester banned right now? He's not banned, but he, uh, he, you know, he he had the take about the about the last scene, but he didn't write in a full email. Okay. Uh, his phone broke, so he's very sad. Like he can't do his eight way fantasy football trade, so he's very sad right now. <laughs> All right. Doesn't have a phone today. He was printing off articles before he left work to like read on the on the subway, and he was like borderline suicidal. All right. Uh, <laughs> Le- Dan the Benefactor wants to say Leon's story of why he's using Larry's house for sex has some holes in it. Outlets first. Yeah. Uh, Leon says he can't get his room hot enough. Is that a joke? Heating up Larry's entire mansion at 92 degrees is easier than putting a space heater in one room in the guest house. This is really Chestery. Second, from a physics perspective, Larry's glasses wouldn't fog up from heating alone. Just raising the temperature doesn't change the dew point. You already lost me, Dan. Uh, Leon is also clearly doing something to raise the humidity, probably running the shower. So I think Leon is actually using Larry's house because of the combination of heat. Something to do with Larry's shower, and I wouldn't be surprised if that broken air conditioner part is also part of the three-step process. Hmm. Okay. 
So he's bringing science into the equation yeah. here, then the benefactor. So there, there you go. Yeah, I did notice when Larry walks into the house for that final scene, his glasses are all, they fog him up. And then by yeah. the end of the scene, there's nothing on his glasses. Yeah. Now, I, it does happen to you, by the way. I as I don't think you guys are glasses wearers, right? I wear glasses, uh, you know, ex- only. I exclusively wear glasses. And sometimes you walk into a place that's like really humid or something and, uh, you know, like you get out of like an airplane or something, you get hit by like, oh, I'm in Miami. Well, you cannot see like your your glasses are fully fogged and you could walk into the street into a car if you don't pay attention. What do you do? Right. And then they stay that way, though, right? Well, you rub them and th- no, they don't like I think you you can you can like, uh, you know, do the old like okay. shirt thing where you clean them off and then they're not foggy anymore. OK. OK. <laughs> All right. Well. Great stuff uh, this week. We got three more Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes to cover here in season nine. Colin Stone, thank you so much for coming on and joining us. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. Uh, Such a big Curb fan, such a big uh, fan of you guys and post show recaps in general. Uh, It's always a treat getting to talk to both of you. Yeah, we were not foisted with you at all in this episode. So uh, great to have you here with us. Colin Stone, follow him on Twitter at Colin Stone. It's pretty good. You got That's that right. name. Yeah. On the Twitter. And then, of course, uh, if people want to listen to you and Dom Harvey on the great uh, Dom and Colin podcast, how do people find that? Uh, it's on iTunes or wherever you are getting this podcast, I hope. Uh, and also, if you uh, want to just check us out and check out th- our our archive uh, and all of the other stuff that we've been up to uh, these last few seasons, it is just DomandColin.com if you want to just find out more about the show. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that's uh, Twitter is really the only place uh, to get at me. So, yeah, thank you guys uh, just once again for having me on. All right. And of course, you could follow Akiva Winokur on Twitter at Keeve26. Keeve, what's coming up on the 32 Fans podcast? Uh, just talking about, uh, I'm sure Chester's going to be gloating about the Vikings at 7-2. and two, And, uh, you know, the Jets season's over, so I'll be making some draft plans. And Should have tanked. Uh, I don't know. Should have tanked. We, yeah, we, we didn't tank. We didn't, we, you know, we weren't good. This is really, had you told us 10 weeks ago, I would have said 4-6 and six is the absolute nightmare scenario. Because 5-5, five and five, you're in the playoff race. Two and eight, you're in the you're at least Giants in like the third had it draft right. pick They race. had the right plan the whole yeah. time. Uh, we should have hired Ben McAdoo. Uh, yeah, we should have hired McAdoo. Our quarterback should have been. There's so many garbage quarterbacks, and we, you know, we somehow got competent Josh McCown for the first time in his 38. I life. thought the it's idea insane. of getting Josh McCown was that he was going to tutor the young quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. it's and that, like Petty's going to come in and be so bad in a few weeks, but it's going to be too. We should have had Ben McAdoo playing quarterback. Oh yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> There's so many guys. You know, the, the people make these lists of like who would have been worse than Kaepernick. There's 15 guys who are on rosters who would have had us at one and nine right now. It's so depressing. Yeah. <laughs> are you guys like rooting against the Austin F- Safarian Jenkins touchdown calls when they're coming in? Oh, no question. I mean, like, uh, I, yeah, it's depressing. But that was against the Patriots. I, I would have liked to uh, see no, that. that I, yeah, yeah, that I wanted to win. But other than that, is the whole thing's a nightmare. Right. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. Big thanks to Scott St. Pierre for putting this all together. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.